0: Hey, good morning. Welcome to Faith on Hill's online Sunday morning service. We gather every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., both online and in person. Online, we are audio only on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You just have to search Faith on Hill, and you'll find all of our online content there. We have the video versions live streaming on our website, faithonhill.com, and always available on our Facebook page. You can follow us on social media, Instagram and Facebook, at Faith on Hill. We meet throughout the week in small groups, and if you'd like more information, you can email smallgroups at faithonhill.com. We also are a praying church. We pray together. Recently, I was at a uh, sort of a, a talk, a seminar, whatever, for church leaders, and somebody was bemoaning the fact, he said, churches don't pray anymore. You know, there's no place for prayer in church services. And I was like, leaned over to my friend who was with me. I said, I don't know what he's talking about, but we're praying at Faith on Hill. We pray together Sunday mornings in person. We have a time of prayer. We pray together in our services. In our small groups, we pray together. By the way, we keep a prayer list. And the prayer list is both public and private. Some people will send in prayer requests and they'll say, hey, this is not for public knowledge, but can you be praying for this situation? And we do. Uh, I I will pray over these things. A few of our key leaders might get looped in and they'll pray over these things. Uh, Some things are just for our small groups. And so uh, I keep a list that is for the whole church. And then there's some things on that list that is just for the small group that I'm a part of. Uh, And then we have kind of the whole church prayer list. And uh, it's wonderful to pray together because we see God work. We see God heal. We see God change people's lives. And over the last several years, as we have made an intentional move to be an increasingly prayerful church, we have seen the results. We have seen the work of God as we have sought Jesus through prayer. We're going to continue our study in the Gospel of Matthew. Today, we're talking about the end of the world. Uh, So if you have a Bible, open to the Gospel of Matthew Chapter 24. Jesus left the temple, and he was walking away with his disciples. And when his disciples came to him, and they called his attention to the temple's buildings, do you see all these things, he asked? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. And as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, now, that would have made sense to them, but for us, we need a little context. They were leaving the temple in Jerusalem. The disciples are going, hey, wow, look at these buildings. And Jesus says, this whole thing's gonna be destroyed. Then they leave Jerusalem. They go, to this, uh, go into this valley, go up on a hill about two, three miles away from Jerusalem, overlooking Jerusalem, seeing the city, seeing the temple, and the disciples come to him, and they say, tell us, What will happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So they're confused. Jesus has just presented himself as the Messiah. It's easy to forget because it's been a few weeks, you know, but as far as the timeline of these things, it is just days. Since Jesus has entered Jerusalem and the people shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they waved palm branches, and he publicly presented himself as Messiah, and he went into the temple and he cleared it and he cleansed it, and he put himself in the place of authority and began to teach the people, and he began to rebuke the hypocrites and the false leaders in the city of Jerusalem, and they said, well, wait a minute. If all this is going to be destroyed, if there's something that we haven't known about, okay, what's, what's the time that you're really going to take power? When really will be the end of this age and the beginning of the age of your rule? Jesus answered, watch out, verse 4, that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming that I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But these things are the beginning of the birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted, to be put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand. And Matthew here is referencing Daniel chapter 9, chapter 11, and chapter 12, which speaks of these things. And you can go back uh, on our website or in our podcast feed, and you can find teaching on those chapters in Daniel when last year we studied that book and see what Jesus is talking about. We'll reference it a little bit here, but you can get a lot more teaching on it there. Then let those who are in Jerusalem flee to the mountains. So when they see this abomination that causes desolation, the people in Jerusalem are to flee to the mountains. Let no one go to the housetop to take down anything from the house. Let no one go to the field to get the, ba- uh, in, let no one in the field, excuse me, go back to get their cloak. So basically he's like, if you're outside working, don't go home to get some stuff, just get out. Let no one, uh, how dreadful will it be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers? So Jesus is showing concern for those who are in vulnerable situations, showing uh, concern for what we might now would say the marginalized, those those who are in uh, kind of desperate situations. We wouldn't think now of pregnant women and nursing mothers as marginalized or in desperate situations, but in that time and in that culture, you would have probably included them in that list. Pray that your flight will not take place in the winter or on the Sabbath. Why? Because winter, harder weather, Sabbath, you would not have things prepared. If, if you see something coming, it's not the Sabbath. Things are prepared. There's a whole different thing happening on the Sabbath. And so you're not prepared. For there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect those days will be shortened. At that time, if someone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there, he, the Messiah, is out there in the wilderness, do not go. Or if someone says, here he is in one of the inner rooms, the secret rooms. Do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east, is visible in the west, so it will be the coming of the Son of Man. What Jesus is saying is, when I return, it won't be hidden. It won't be secret. Some people say, I mean, it's one of the claims of the Jehovah's Witnesses that Jesus did return and he was hidden away. Other groups have made such claims that the Messiah returned, but it was secret, hidden. Jesus said, no, it's going to be clear. You could have a bolt of lightning in the east, you will see it in the west. Something that happens over here will not be hidden from people over there. It will be obvious and clear when I come in my power and my glory. Immediately, uh, sorry, verse 28, wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. So what he's saying is, hey, there's signs that are clear. There are things that happen in one place, but you can see the signs of it from far off. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Here he is quoting from the prophet Isaiah chapter 13 and chapter 34. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And all the people on the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and the leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, When you see all these things, know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you that this generation will certainly not pass away until it is seen all of these things happen. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, the fig tree, it starts to blossom. You know that that is the mark in their region of the turning of the seasons. There's things that happen in our region that mark the changing of the seasons. I was joking with my friend uh, Jeff that, you know, I, I knew that, you know, we had a really late summer, right? It, it stayed warm and sunny well into October, but I was joking with Jeff Smith, who's part of the church here. I said, you know, I'll know that the, the weather has really turned when you put the top back on your Jeep, and then one week, I drove by his house. I saw the top was back on his Jeep, and I was choking. I said, well, the weather really has turned this week. It's now officially fall. Jesus is saying, hey, you can see the signs of the coming. You can see things are turning. And so he's saying, I'm giving you some things to watch for so that you will know clearly what is happening. This is God's word. And we pray for clarity and humility as we study it together. Now look. Matthew chapter 24 is an overview of the end of the world. It is not an exhaustive teaching on the end times. It is not an exhaustive study of Bible prophecy. It's not intended to be. And I am not trying to make an exhaustive study of Bible prophecy. I have also found that people come to this subject often with a lot of baggage. Maybe you came from a church background that made a really big deal about the end of the world, about Bible prophecy. Uh, If you were like me, you know, you're a guy or gal in your 30s, your 40s. You grew up in church culture in the 90s and early 2000s. and, And Bible prophecy, the left behind books, they were a big deal. And that's a lot of baggage to carry because you have this whole narrative that was like pushed by every youth group, every youth pastor. And now you're like, wait, what's real? What was just some fiction writer's thing? What was something I heard at youth group, but it's not necessarily what the Bible's teaching? There's other people that come from a different tradition, and we have people like that in our church who come from a different tradition, a different theological background, and they're like the anti left behind. And so they hear some of this stuff, and it's like, why are we talking about this? That's just nonsense from those, those people that are into those left behind books, and they were silly. And the Bible doesn't even teach that. And so let's forget about this. Let's just skip this chapter. And then there's people that are like, why do we even care? And then there's people who have no background. Jesus is teaching, so therefore we will listen, but we'll understand that this is an overview teaching and this is not an exhaustive study. What Jesus is giving them is sort of a preview of coming events. He, they, they say, hey, what, what's going to happen? How are we going to know? When's the temple going to get knocked down? And he kind of ignores their question. He just say, hey, here's some things that are coming. And he starts talking about wars and rumors of wars, which by the way, Once again, we are living through. We have war in the Ukraine. We have rumors of war. When is China going to invade Taiwan? Is China going to invade Taiwan? I mean, again this week, this last week, North Korea launched missiles over Japan. We have wars. We have rumors of war. We have famine in parts of the world. Sri Lanka's economy collapsed this year because of famine. We have natural disasters happening, hurricanes, earthquakes. There are things happening, and you read this, and you go, yeah, that's just the weekly news. That's just what I saw in, in my news feed today. I, I, I opened my news app, and I'm just reading what you just talked about here, Jesus. Is this the end times? Jesus says, no, these are the things that just happen. These are the beginning of the birth pangs. These are This is the, the earth kind of saying, it's getting ready. What happens is, is that people try to take the the news, they take, we used to say the newspaper as if people still read those things, right? But like we used to say people take the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in another hand, and then they try to take the day's news, and you know, they open their news app in one hand, and they have the Bible, their Bible app in the other hand, so I guess they'd have an iPad in one hand and an iPhone in another hand, whatever, and they, They're trying to take the news and make the Bible fit the news. And I don't think that's what Jesus wants. In fact, I'm almost certain that's not what Jesus wants. But what I do think is happening is Jesus is saying there are things that just happen. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that is ravaged and, and, and just scarred and hurt by sin. This world is not how it is supposed to be. So yes, there is plague. Yes, there is pandemic. Yes, there is famine and natural disaster and wars because people are evil. Yes, all of these things happen. But he's saying you're 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 looking for that to be like oh this is God really this is God's uh, sign that the end of the world's coming. And he's saying this is just stuff that happens. It's going to get worse. So this is a preview. Some things are always happening. What he's saying is when the end comes, things are going to ramp up beyond anything anyone has ever seen. Some things are incredibly unique. The sky darkening, uh, you know, there's, there's things that are talked about. Uh, you know, Jesus says that these things will come, and then, you know, it's something that has never been seen since, and if God didn't shorten the days of that time, no one would survive. But because of this, God is in his mercy going to say, that's it, no more. I'm going to intervene, because you will you will literally destroy yourselves. There are people who are legitimately worried. What happens if humanity finds a way to destroy itself? And there's all kinds of ways. There's no shortage of of videos on YouTube, uh, episodes of shows on History Channel, or, or wherever you will find this content, of ways that we could destroy ourselves. Life after humans, ancient aliens, whatever. You will find shows that talk about the ways that we could destroy ourselves. What happens if? And what Jesus is saying is God in his mercy knows that we could. So he will stop it. Now, does that mean that we won't have great suffering on the way to that, that merciful stoppage? No, not, not at all. But what Jesus is saying is there is things that always happen. Those are going to ramp up. And then there are things that will be incredibly unique to that final time. Now, Jesus directly references the prophet Daniel. And you can go back and see our our teaching series on the book of Daniel. But short and sweet, in the book of Daniel, especially Daniel chapter 9, God talks to the prophet Daniel about a seven-year time period, a final judgment You might have heard this referred to as the tribulation, the great tribulation, whatever you want to call it. But there is a final time of judgment. And I believe that this is what Jesus is primarily talking about. A final coming period of judgment against a sinful, wicked, rebellious world. A world that has just devoted itself to madness. He says there will be deceivers, false prophets, rumors hey the messiah is over here go out to the desert hey no the messiah is actually in this secret chamber and only the elite the special ones get to see him there will be false saviors false messiahs again we see this all the time you know whether it's it's scientology or it's that fringe cult or or it's that uh you know, self-help guru, if you just follow my teachings and pay 1999, you know, five installments of nineteen ninety-nine plus shipping and handling, and you can get my teachings and you will have a better life. But this will ramp up to a whole other level. And it will deceive, if possible, even the elect. And the elect are the believers. And Jesus is saying there's going to be people that are deceived. There will be wars and disasters persecution of believers. It talks about people who will, believers who will be hated all over the world. Uh, believers who will be persecuted for their faith, for their testimony in Jesus Christ. In the book of the Revelation, there's a scene where people come before God in the throne room of heaven, and, and the writer says, who are these people? And these are the people who were killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And they say, how long, O Lord, will will there not be justice? How long will our deaths not be avenged? There's going to be the failure of believers because it says that there will be those who leave the faith. We talked about this last week. And somebody might say, well, is that it? You know, people are, are leaving the church? Maybe. That being said, I tend to think it is a very white, Protestant-centric view of things to think that the church is in decline because there are churches all across America and all across this region and this area and this neighborhood that are doing huge. They're, They're just Korean churches and Vietnamese churches and Hispanic churches. And honestly, they don't get factored in a lot of the time. We don't think of them. Shame on us. Jesus says there'll be persecution of believers. There will be the failure of belief. There will be those who walk away. And there will also be the the success of believers. The gospel will be preached to all nations, it says. Now, there are those who say that Jesus can't come back until we have preached the gospel to all nations. Verse 14 talks about this. I don't believe that that's what this is saying. Actually, the early church felt like it had fulfilled its mandate to preach the gospel to everyone it could. Uh, Missionaries had gone all over the known world. And we tend to think of just what Paul did in, you know, Western Europe and and Eastern uh, Europe. sorry, Eastern Europe and Western Asia. But there were Christian missionaries in Africa, Christian missionaries going up into North and Central Europe, Christian missionaries going all over the place. There's a story of uh, missionaries uh, who showed up to Japan, and then they were like, oh, we're going to, you know, evangelize these people who have never heard of Jesus. And they found that Christians had already been there. That in, in the courts of, of the Mongol Empire, in Genghis Khan's court, there were Nestorian Christians who had already been there, and we think, oh, we're going to go evangelize them. They've never heard of Jesus. And I'm all for going and doing missions work and evangelism and all of that, but understand that the early church was incredibly successful at spreading the gospel. I don't think that this is something as saying we've got to do this so Jesus can come back. I think this is a general statement of, you know what, there will be a failure of belief, there will be those who fall away, but there will also be great success in the mission of the church. The gospel will be preached and is being preached to the entire world. There are churches in South Korea who are doing evangelistic work in parts of Asia that Americans cannot go to. We can't go there. We can't get visas. If we could get visas, we stick out like sore thumbs because it's really obvious that a guy that looks like me is not from around there. But somebody from Seoul or Incheon or Busan can go there and do the Lord's work in a way that's a little more undercover. God is working and God is moving all over this world. There are Christians doing the work of the Lord, and you'll never hear about it until we get to eternity. So what Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to tell you this. You're looking for the sign of my coming, and you're looking for like, oh, is there going to be a big war? Is there going to be some big earthquake, some big natural disaster? That'll be the sign. He's saying, all this stuff happens. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be successes. There's going to be failures. But the end hasn't come yet. He says, really, what you want to look for is this... uh, abomination that causes desolation now some people thought that that had already happened you see in the time of the maccabees before jesus when uh the temple was overrun and they actually a a foreign general actually sacrificed a pig on the altar in the temple and desecrated the temple And that's that whole time period where Hanukkah happened, or that's where they get Hanukkah from. Um, It's incredibly important in Jewish history. Jesus is saying, yeah, that might have been like a partial fulfillment. We'll get to what that means in a minute. But that's not it. What Daniel was talking about still hasn't happened yet. Now, we want to get into some of the difficulties of Bible prophecy. You see, there are Christians who believe that Just about everything in Bible prophecy, the book of the Revelation, what Jesus is talking about here, they believe that this all happened in 70 AD. The Roman general Titus came to Jerusalem, uh, the The uh, people of Israel rebelled against the Roman captors and and occupiers. And so Titus came in. He laid siege to the city of Jerusalem, and they destroyed the city, including the temple. And Jesus' words were fulfilled. Not one stone was left on another. You go to Jerusalem today, and there is nothing left of the second temple, the temple that was built uh, during uh, Jesus' time. It was there. There's nothing left. You can go to the western wall, which is like a foundation from Solomon's temple, the first temple. Nothing was left. And they say, oh, well, this is the fulfillment of that. But here's the thing. Verse 15. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then flee Jerusalem. Verse 29: Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens. Okay, so here's the problem. If you say, Oh, those things happened in 70 AD, all of that was fulfilled when the temple was destroyed. The abomination that causes desolation did not happen, the temple was destroyed but there was not what is described in the book of Daniel and what uh, was seen in the time of the Maccabees. That did not happen as far as we know during 70 AD in the destruction of the temple. And the sun was not darkened. The the stars did not fall from the sky. Uh, The heavenly bodies were not shaken. The sign of the Son of Man did not appear in the heavens. All of these things did not happen right away. Bible prophecy often has two fulfillments or sometimes multiple fulfillments. Sometimes it's called partial and full fulfillment. Sometimes it's called second and first. Sometimes it's called already and not yet. Uh, Sometimes you just think of like sort of patterns of fulfillment until a full fulfillment is made. Is that confusing? I'm sorry. The idea is this. The Bible in the Old Testament is full of prophecies about the Messiah, about Jesus. And then it got to the point where where the rabbis and the scholars would, would read these prophecies and go, wait a minute. The prophet Isaiah at one point says that the Messiah is coming and he will be a king and the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be wonderful. Counselor, what is happening? Because he also says that the Messiah comes and he suffers and he dies and he's It seems like he's, is he talking about two different people? They were so confused by this. Now we understand now with some hindsight that there's first and second or partial and full that Jesus had a first coming where he came to suffer and to die as a servant and he will have a second coming where he comes to rule and reign as king in his glory. But it's not always crystal clear. So, when we're talking about Bible prophecy, understand that Jesus may be talking here about, at one moment, he might be talking about something in a partial fulfillment, like the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, and then he might be talking about something in the far distant future, something that happens at the very end of what we might think of as the end of time before eternity is reigned in. It's not always clear. Now, you might hear all of these things and say, what does this have to do with me? And that's totally fair. You might say, you know what, that's interesting. But you know what, I'm living in 2022. And if Jesus comes back tomorrow, I'll be really interested in that. Um, And next week, Adam, you're going to tell me why I probably won't even be here for some of this stuff because I'm going to talk about that like next week with the rapture. So what does this all have to do with me? Can I tell you, I think it kind of comes back down to verse one. Jesus left the temple, and walking away, his disciples came to him and to call his attention to the buildings. And he said, verse 2, do you see all these things? Truly I tell you, not one stone will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. The temple was unquestionably, undisputed, the greatest achievement of Jewish culture. Architecturally, The pinnacle of their culture. It was the center of their religious life, of their spiritual life, of their cultural gatherings. Their their spiritual and cultural identity was linked to the temple. When the people returned from their captivity in Babylon, they rebuilt the temple. That was the thing. I must rebuild the temple. They come and they, and you could see too, by the way. You could think about this. Here are the disciples, 12 guys who are all from the backwater. Galilee is not an important place, Galilee is not the big city, Galilee is not the power center. But now here they are with Jesus who they believe to be the Messiah. And Jesus has now publicly declared himself Messiah, and he has left the Galilee. He has come to Jerusalem. He has publicly declared himself Messiah. He has established himself in the temple. And you could start to see where they would think, are we going to live in Jerusalem now? Are we going to be here as Jesus takes the throne of Israel, and, and we will now not just visit the temple once a year, maybe, But we will live here and be among these magnificent buildings, and we will be people of importance. And Jesus just dismisses it. Part, I I really believe this part of a modern faith for Christians is to choose the eternal over the momentary. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Because there are 100%, 100% there have been Christians and there was a whole, it felt like a whole generation that got really into Bible prophecy back in the 80s. And they were just like, you know what, it's all going to burn anyway, so I don't have to care. I don't have to care about the here and now. I'm just going to say Jesus is coming soon and so I don't have to care. And I don't think God wants us to do that. I think God wants us to care about the world around us. I think God wants us to care about those who are suffering in our neighborhood. I think God wants us to care about the lost and wandering like we talked about last week. I think God wants us to care about what's going on in our world. I think God wants us to care so that if he doesn't come back for another hundred years, that my children or my grandchildren would have a better world to live in if at all possible. I think God wants us to care at the same time we have the constant temptation to choose the momentary or the eternal the momentary or the eternal we can spend our money on buildings or people we can spend our our time and our energy on ourselves and we can say how how much can i put into myself or we can say how much can i do for others We can build a life of pleasure and enjoyment. And again, I'm not against vacations or having fun or doing fun things. We're not that kind of church. I'm not that kind of preacher. What I am saying is we can choose to live lives that are devoted to this world and its pleasures, or we can say this world is passing away. I can recognize that Whatever the greatest thing in my world is, whatever the greatest thing in our culture is, whatever America is, there will come a point where not one stone will be left on another, where it will be thrown down. And I don't really think God cares if America survives or if a building survives or if a program survives or if you know, my career or my you know, kingdom or whatever or your career or your kingdom survives. The kingdom of heaven endures. The word of God endures. The gospel, the good news of Jesus endures. And we can choose to live in a momentary driven life and look at the grandeur of earthly temporary things and live in the glory of those things or we can say what matters eternally? The souls of other people. The souls of myself, making sure that my soul is secure before God, the souls of my children, my friends, my neighbors, caring for others, the lost, the lonely, the hurting. You see, all of these things that are going on where Jesus is talking about wars and famines and rumors of war, and you can go, oh, you know, well, okay, you know, I don't have to care about that. No, see, all that stuff's going on. People are hurting, people are broken, people are scared and we can be bringers of hope because we know Jesus. Friends, let me tell you this. I don't know what's going to happen in Ukraine. I don't know what's going to happen in Taiwan. I don't know what's going to happen with the election this week. I don't know what's going to happen. I know Jesus, and I know that Jesus heals broken lives, fixes broken hearts, Restores broken families. That Jesus answers prayer. That Jesus removes sin. That Jesus is real and working and powerful. And that Jesus, the same Jesus who knew that not one stone would be left on another in that temple is the same Jesus who willingly went to the cross just a few days after he spoke those words so that you and I might have our sins forgiven and might have eternal life. And he is the same Jesus who one day will return in power and glory, and he will set things right at what he described as the renewal of all things. And we look forward with hope to that promise. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God because we know the goodness of God in this life. And that invitation is there for any and all who would believe. And because Jesus cared about people, we will care about people. Because Jesus said, get your eyes off the present and look to the future, we will also have one eye to the future knowing that his return is soon. You know what? If you have questions, if I didn't explain something clearly, you can email me, adam at faithonhill.com. If you're like, hey, this is interesting, I'd like to talk more about this. We talk about all the things we talk about on Sunday mornings in our small groups and you can email groups at faithonhill.com for more information. We'll see you again next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We'll see you in the small groups throughout the week and check out our, our podcast and our online content, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our Facebook page. God bless you. May the grace of God be with you. We'll see you next week. We're gonna talk a little bit about Well, for the next few weeks, we'll be talking about Bible prophecy. And next week, we'll be talking about uh, the second coming of Christ, how nobody knows exactly when it's going to be. And we'll probably talk a little bit about the, the rapture and what's going on with that. We'll see you next week. God bless you.